Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, this is Lloyd Spence, and football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. Man, you can clean up the betonline.ag. Did y'all hear about that dude that was streaking in the Super Bowl? Streaked and paid the fine of $1,000, won 374000 Come on, y'all. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. And BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, just like streaking in the Super Bowl. And, of course, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. But don't go streaking. It's not worth it. Tell them the noisemaker sent you. You are now listening to Believe in the ACC with my husband, Mr. Talking Noise, Lloyd Spence, and our brother, Heisman Trophy and Florida State legend, Charlie Ward. And now, Lloyd and Charlie. Go get them, fellas. Well, we are honored here tonight to have uh, a real legend to join a legend. This is, this. well, I really have the real honor. I mean, legends know each other. They just meet and say hello. But I get the honor of sitting in the room with these guys. Uh, Mr. Charlie Ward and Coach Matt Darty is here with us tonight. I am glad to have him here with us. How you doing, Coach? It's good to see uh, you. I, I'm, I'm really – I think you and I should be interviewing Charlie. That, that's the way I think this show should be rolling uh, because I, I am not in his class. Um, I'm at the different Coach. Oh, uh, yeah. You are you are a member of the 82 UNC championship team with, with one of the most legendary games in the history of the NCAA. I think that qualifies. Okay. Not to mention, the fact, right. well, not to mention the fact you're an AP coach of the year. So, okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Not quite a Heisman, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. I, it's really good to have you here. I am, let me tell you something. I am really excited to have you here tonight, and I'll tell you why. I am deeply fascinated by the book and I'm deeply fascinated by your journey because I think your journey represents something so much bigger than people possibly realize as it relates to coaching and even the bigger culture of basketball. Uh, and, and, I, and I really want to dive into the whole thing. We'll do some ACC talk as well, uh, but I definitely want to talk about this amazing book that you've written um, so first, be, first, let's let everybody know what the name of the book is and, and, and what the book, the concept of the book is about. So there you go. Yep. Uh, well, thank you very much for that. Uh, the book is called Rebound from Pain to Passion, uh, Leadership Lessons Learned. And uh, in, in 2001, I was uh, my first year at North Carolina as the head coach. I was the national coach of the year. We, we won the regular season ACC championship tied with Duke, uh, but we had the tiebreaker. Um, and two years later, I was forced to resign. <laughs> right, right. And so, uh, and, and, and publicly, I, my leadership was questioned. 
Um, and that's my alma mater. You know, it's like one thing if you're, you know, if I was coaching at Florida State and that happened, uh, you know, you still have home to go to. But when you're home, your family does that. It hurts. Yeah. And so uh, my that was my pain. But as a former athlete and, and coach, you know, what do we do when we lose a game? What do we do when we have a bad season? We watch the film and we try to get better. And that's what I tried to do was, okay, um, you know, Roy Williams would say, if you're pointing a finger at somebody else, you have three pointing back at you, right? Right. I'm like, all right, I don't like this. God, I don't know why it's happening, but here it is. I'm going to, instead of get bitter, I'm going to try to get better. And I went on a leadership journey. And, and guys, as I took these classes at UVA and, and Wharton, just week-long executive classes in leadership, you know, I was learning about emotional intelligence in 2003. Okay, I never heard of emotional intelligence. And I'm like, why aren't we, the coaching community, being formally trained in leadership instead of just like trying to pick things up because we were around a good coach. And so um, I thought leadership was the most important topic that's not formally taught. And so um, as a result, leadership became my passion. So that's where it went from pain to passion where I was accused of not being a good leader and now it's my passion and I like to teach it. And and so the book has been in the works for a little bit of a while. And I I started putting notes down after I left North Carolina, it was more therapeutic and more to memorialize some things. So I wouldn't forget down the road if I ever did write a book, but I never wanted it to be a um, tell all like bitter book. I never wanted that. I wanted Kevin White, who just retired as the AD at Duke, was the AD at Notre Dame when I left as the head coach. And he's such a good man. When I lost my job at North Carolina, he said, uh, take the high road. There's less traffic up there. Hmm. And and that's what I try to do uh, to this day, uh, take the high road. Well, I, I, um, I definitely appreciate that. That journey, um, I think a lot of times uh, as my mom and all the great mentors that I've had, uh, they always say, make sure you never burn bridges, uh, even if you've had a bad experience, uh, because you never know who's going to be there to help you uh, later on in life. And so, you know, what you've done um, and taking the high road and those types of things uh, it's commendable uh, because I'm sure just like anything else, uh, when you when you have a divorce of some form, uh, it's very difficult, especially if it's someone you really love and you've, you know, you have a lot of memories with. And then all of a sudden it's up and gone um, because of something maybe out of your control uh, it is definitely um can can keep you bitter. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also just have to let some of these things go. Um, because if the person is gonna hurt, 
it's not the ones that that, that you're bitter at. It's, it's you. And so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, listening. I'm mean, listening to you tonight, but also reading your book uh, to to see. I know how I can become a better coach. I coach high school basketball now. Do you? So, I mean, my record is terrible when it comes to football. <laughs> I, I was a terrible football coach. Uh, but I, I, they never fired me. They never let me go because uh, they saw that I was a people person, <laughs> kids first, and uh, working to try to better the kids. And so they still they let me stick around um, to coach football. But basketball, I, I've haven't figured that part out um, just yet, uh, but we've built some some good foundational seasons. Uh, but I'm just looking forward to learning a little bit more about how I can be a better leader. That's for sure. Well, you're you're being you're being kind, Charlie. You're you you uh, you are a point guard on some good Nick teams and a, a quarterback for some great FSU Seminole teams. You're you're a good leader. <laughs> Well, you know, the, uh, John got actually got to one of the questions I wanted to, to ask you because I wanted to go back, Coach. You were at Notre Dame, and you were having really immediate success. Like, you were really tearing it up. Why did you answer that call? Have you ever, Do you ever go back in that moment and say, oh, why did I answer that call? Why did I, why did I make that decision? All the time. Uh, all the time, Lloyd. Um. I was at Notre Dame. We did have good success. We had a good team coming back. We we were we were we were welcome there. They were going to give me a, a really good contract, a long term, nice contract, ten year ten year contract. Um, I thought about staying, uh, but then Coach Smith's a good recruiter. Now you know. I mean. He's not just a good X and O guy. He knows how to recruit. Yeah. And he's so smart and and knows, you know, talk about emotional intelligence. He knows what buttons to push. Mm. So he had Michael Jordan call me. And (laughs) Michael, Michael said, you know, hey, Matt, if you don't take this job, Coach Smith is probably going to go outside the family and hire Rick Majerus. Hmm. And right then I said, you know, I don't want anybody but a Tar Heel coaching our team. And um, I just felt that that had, had, you know, it had to be. Um, So I took the job, you know. And then, you know, obviously it's North Carolina. You have a chance to win a national championship every year. My wife's from North Carolina. You know, the weather, the, the, you know, the whole, the whole deal. Um, but yeah, that's part of the deal. That's part of what I talk about in this book, mm. because when we make mistakes and, and we fail, it's easy to isolate yourself and beat yourself up and say, why didn't I stay at Notre Dame? Why did I make this move? I should have done this differently when I got to Chapel Hill. I should have, could have, would have. And you start beating yourself up. And that's not healthy. Yeah. And you start to spiral into a depression. I, I was depressed. I dealt with depression mm-hmm. I, and, and just probably getting out of it. And I think this book has been a big part of it. That's you know, awesome. as, a, as a guy, you know, as especially as an athlete, you don't admit weakness, right? You, you got to put on that tough mask and yeah. act like you got things in control. 
but I didn't. I, I, I put on a good front. But what I think we have to do, as the Charlie touched on, you know, forgive others, not be bitter. It's really the most selfish thing you can do is forgive others. Now, it doesn't mean you forget. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and your trust will be different, but you've got to forgive them because, you know, from a religious standpoint, if Jesus could forgive the people that crucified him, we could we could forgive somebody who said something behind our back or 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 you know whatever. The other thing and part of forgiveness, and I think this is huge, and it was it was for me, is we've got to learn to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Because I think we can beat ourselves up and we might be able to forgive somebody else quicker than we forgive ourselves. So like you just said, Lloyd, did I ever think about, you know, what if I should have stayed at Notre Dame? Probably every damn night for about 12, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but what good does that do me? Right. And right. so I've got to give myself some grace and say, hey, you made a decision. And, you know, I could have stayed at Notre Dame. What if I stayed at Notre Dame and North Carolina won a national championship three years later? Yeah. I'd be saying, what the hell was I afraid of? Right. You know, so it goes both ways. And you can only make the decision with the best information you have at that time. And looking back is is not a healthy thing. It's not healthy. I want to look through the front, you know, the the, the front, the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Coach, when you get a chance to talk to young coaches now, and and I'm and hopefully they're reaching out to you, you know, to to get your understanding and your advice. Hopefully they'll read this book. But when you get that opportunity, and they're looking, they're in a good situation, but they're looking forward. What do you tell them? Like, do you say go after it because you never know when this is coming along, or is there? Because I get the sense that there's a lot of coaches. And we're seeing a lot of this, especially in college football, uh, where coaches are in really good situations. But the, but that lure of the greener grass car starts calling, and they jump the fence. And then they find out, eh, I got a lot more work to do in this grass than I had to do. Yeah. 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 No, you 100%. I think I look at um, the discipline it takes for a coach to turn down big money and big name jobs mm. to stay at Gonzaga like Mark few has done for Bob McKillop to stay at Davidson college. He's been there 34 years. I worked for Bob uh, at Davidson. I played for him in high school. Um, you know, Jay Wright at Villanova. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's the Rick bird who was at Belmont, you know, the grass is not always greener. And, and, and so um, quality of life fit is big and, and uh, you know, Shaka smart, you know, I mean, you know, he left VCU to go to Texas and, you know, he could have probably stayed at VCU for the rest of his life. And right. He's on a hot seat, you know, <laughs> no one likes being on a hot seat. Right. So uh, yes, they're, 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 I think Jim Valvano once said, I think he had a quote, the great coach at NC State, don't mess with happy. Ooh. Right? Yeah, that's a good, that's good. Isn't that good? Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. You know, 
You used an interesting word there. You said discipline. You said it takes discipline to stay. Is that is that a key component when you start talking about leadership, when you're teaching leadership, how important is that discipline? Oh, whew. man. I mean, it's 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 better guide pretty much everything you do, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, you got to be disciplined in getting to work on time, disciplined in modeling the behavior you want others to follow, discipline in your emotions. You know, that that's that's a thing that could get me in trouble. You know, I was a fiery, intense coach. I was a fiery, intense player because I had to be. I wasn't that talented. So to get on the court, I had to bring that energy. But too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Your biggest yeah. your biggest weakness. So to have the discipline emotionally to take the foot off the gas. When somebody says something to you, whether it be a player, another coach, whomever, an administrator, you can't charge them. You know, you can't go, you can't do that. Yeah. But it's 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 so opposite of what we're conditioned as an athlete. Right. Yeah. I mean, if somebody takes a swing at you, hits you with an elbow, you know, hits you hard, you you're supposed to react because if you don't react, you're considered a punk. So now you've got to change that mindset and all of a sudden have the maturity, the discipline to say, uh, uh-uh, I can't get sucked in there. I've got to pause. This guy, Tim Kite, who worked with Urban Meyer. Um, sorry to bring up a. University of Gator. Sorry about that, Charlie. I, I didn't read the fine print. I mean, I don't know. It's and so uh, no problem with the Gators. <laughs> I beat them. I beat them two years in a row in football. There you go. There you go. Oh. The, the, uh, he, this guy Tim Kite. He's a great follow on Twitter. He talks about E plus R equals O, where the E is the event. Mm-hmm. Let's say a player says something to you as a coach. R is your reaction. Mm-hmm. And E, uh, O is the outcome. Mm-hmm. The only thing we control is the R. So the better our R, the better the outcome. Yeah. Now, as a man, right, as a tough man, we're supposed to respond, you know, aggressively, right? That's because we got this pride. But that quiet dude who's got his stuff together emotionally, those are, the, those are the most powerful guys or women. So if somebody says something to you, you know, I was watching The Godfather the other day, you know, and, and, and Michael, like when somebody said something bad to him, he just was real cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Where Sonny, the one who ended up getting shot, got got very re- reactive and and <laughs> – and would go after somebody ended up getting shot. And so you've got to be cool and pause because you can always get mad later. You could always react later. I think that's a big part of discipline yeah. uh, for young coaches is handling that R. Um, there's another uh, component. I think uh, sometimes we have to be content uh, mm. with where we are. Um, and I know there's a book out called Make the Big Time Where You Are. I think it's Scotty Frost or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. 
And um, and I just think, you know, a lot of times, you know, in our journey to where we're going, um, you know, where we are is what we have to make the big time. I don't care if it's small at the time, you have to make it the biggest that it can possibly be. Um, and people always ask me, like, why are you coaching high school uh, high school football or high school basketball? And, and then the other part is, you know, they're asking, well, why are you coaching high school football in at this school? Yeah. Because, you know, the schools that, that I choose, I have chosen, uh, they aren't football schools. Um, you know, and, and it's just they're, they're trying to figure out, like, why. And my why is not built around, you know, just winning a state championship. Um, it's built around building kids. And so if I have an opportunity to build kids in a certain environment, uh, regardless of what the school looks like, I want to make it the big time where it is. And so just I think a lot of times we get – we get coaches, we get people who aren't content where they are. Yeah. And they get so edgy, especially if someone comes and says, hey, this is a nice spot over here. We got all of this, but they just don't know that there's a lot of headaches behind all of this <laughs> and stuff that you have to deal with. And so every situation is not the same, but I just know we sometimes have to be content where we are just even if it's for a few more years, and God may bring you something even better um, if you turn down, say, a, a quote-unquote good opportunity. And yeah. so um, I think that's uh, discernment you have to use. Um, it's very, very important uh, when you're making these tough decisions. But I'm a big believer. And when you make a decision, you just got to live with the results. Whatever the results are, you got to live with them. And yeah. you can't go back and say, I regret. I mean, you regret some things, but there's no, I made this decision. I got to live with whatever the result, the results are. Yeah. I, I, I talk a lot uh, to young people about, uh, and I mentioned this in, in the book rebound, your life is nothing but a series of decisions and dealing with the consequences and the better decisions you make, the better your life will be. And for young people, you know, are you going to go to class and get good grades? Are you going to, you know, do drugs or are you not going to do drugs? If somebody's drinking, you're going to get in a car with them or not get in a car with them? Yeah. Are you going to have sex with that girl or are you not going to have sex with that girl? Uh, all those decisions impact your life. And um, yeah, 100 percent. Coach, I want to I want to take you back. You know, if you don't mind, we I want to go back to your 2002 season, mm -hmm. and you're coming off of an ACC. You just said you're coming off an ACC regular championship win and NCAA tournament appearance. You're coach of the year. All of a sudden, your team starts having all these problems the next year. And I thought about that, and I said, why would you know? Here's a coach of the year, and you go into the next year. Was it just an exodus of great players? But then I thought about this, and y'all want I'd love to get your opinion on this. Right around that time, it felt like the culture of basketball as a whole was shifting. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, we started seeing players 
and teams that were, you know, were leaning more toward that AAU system. We're really in all in on it now. Now it's a thing. Now it's taking over the country. Now the the jumping from one player to the next. Now the coddling of players is in play. Did you get a were you starting to see a little bit of that in that incoming group where they weren't that same traditional 90s discipline team here they are coming into this 2000s and it's a different culture of concept of basketball yeah i i think that that happens gradually but that second year when i took the job lloyd i told the ad i said my first year we're going to be good my second year we're not my third year we're going to be rebuilding are you tough enough to get through that with me oh so you told him in advance Yes. Wow. Because we know, we know what's in the pipeline. You know what's in the pipeline. Wow. You know, know, I never said that publicly. Yeah. I never threw players under the bus. I never threw the previous staff under the bus. But But I knew because I was recruiting at Kansas and at Notre Dame, and I knew what players were in the program and and who uh, was coming into the program. And so – uh, we had lost Brendan Haywood to the NBA, first-round pick. Joe Forte was a first-round pick, and Joe was first-team All-American, uh, All was supposed to come back. He was only a sophomore. We were hoping he would come back. Julius Peppers, who was a great player on the basketball court, and Ronald Curry, who was a great basketball player too, both football players, decided to st- – get ready for the NFL draft. Right. And then we had this really talented freshman who was supposed to be there, uh, would have been a sophomore, but he did not gain admission. At the last minute, our school refused his, his, him being admitted. And so, yeah, it was just, it was more of a talent issue than anything. Okay. Then, then the next year, uh, we had a good recruiting class and my third year, we go from not being ranked to being ranked 12th in the country. Uh, we beat Kansas in, in Madison square garden. Uh, and then Sean may break. Yeah. That yeah. was yeah. Sean got her. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I, uh, this question about, you know, being in North Carolina, uh, very similar to kind of being football at Florida state or some of these, um, you know, prestigious uh, universities that coaches have uh, established a tradition of winning. Uh, Tell me a little bit about how it felt when you weren't ranked at North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I'm probably a little bit like Nick Saban uh, where I'm all about the process. You know, I don't care about the rankings. The rankings, the score will take care of itself. Like there's a book out by Bill Walsh. The score takes care of itself. So if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing as a player, as a coach, each and every day, the score will take care of itself. The rankings will take care of itself. Uh, I knew that my second year we weren't going to be that good. You know, Um, so we weren't ranked. You know, I, I didn't. Didn't bother, you know, I mean, I, I was prepared for it. The, the challenge was post-game to go into the conference room, the media room, 
to a bank of microphones and people in a packed, packed media room, people asking you the same questions. Yeah. Hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Yeah. And I had to go Bill Belichick, you know, uh, Bill Belichick says after, you know, he quotes Paul Brown, the famous Cleveland Brown coach. When you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less. You know, so I just, I just basically had to say, hey, we got to get better. We got to continue to work hard, um, you know, uh, and just kind of play that game. And I didn't crush the players like in practice. You know, it's like if you have, a, you know, you might have a student who's an A student. You have another student. You know, you may have a child who's a really gifted student, and you have another child who may be an average student. Well, you you know, you shouldn't punish the average student because he's he or she's not getting the grades of the other person. Right. I think you have to treat everybody. Are you giving your best effort? So we really had to manage the effort and the focus. And my number one goal as a coach every year is we got to get better today. Get better today. That's all. That's my goal. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Come right back. Uh, coach is, 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 is giving us the, 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 the 411, as they say. So we appreciate it. The book is called Rebound from Pain to Passion. We'll take a quick break and uh, let you hear from our sponsor, eBay, and then we'll get back to our interview with Coach Matt Dollard. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Mr. Noise, and I'm trying to tell y'all what's going on with our newest sponsor, eBay. Now, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verifies the box, logo stitching, and a dozen of other inspection points. And each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process and for sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers 100 plus making it free to sell or flip your collection you can't beat that so go to ebay.com sneakers today that's ebay.com sneakers today it's ebay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection tell them the noisemaker sent you All right, we are back with our special guest, Coach Matt Darty. The book is Rebound from Passion to Pain, Le Leadership Lessons Learned. And here's one of the ones that obviously I have to ask you. <laughs> you went in to North Carolina, sir, <laughs> and this big looming shadow is there called Dean Smith. But the one thing that really fascinates me, and I'm, I'll tell you a really quick story. I was asked one time to take over an organization from a legend. And I spoke with the legend. And in the conversation, I realized very quickly that this legend was not retiring. He was replacing sort of. Replacing sort of. In other words, I would come in and be him 
but in a, but a different way. Did you get a sense of that when you were taking over this position at North Carolina? Yeah, like like that strings were attached. The right, right, right. Like yeah. I'm coaching, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I'm a very I'm a very uh, pragmatic uh, person, uh, literal. If someone tells me something, uh, I take it for face value. And there were three questions I asked that I had to get um, check, checked off when I was interviewing for the job. The first one was, um, can I bring my staff with me? Because I was, there were three former Carolina players that were assistants for Bill Guthridge. And I had my staff and it was June, it's middle of recruiting period, you know, and I didn't want to leave those guys out. I said, hey, if I can't bring them with me, I'll stay at Notre Dame. So I was told, yes, I could bring them. Now I was told yes by the athletic director. Okay. The second question, or the second comment I wanted them to understand was, my first year will be good. My second year, we won't. My third year, will be rebuilding. Are you tough enough to get through that with me? Check. Yes. From the athletic director. Third question. Will it be my program or will Dean Smith want to run it through me? Mm. Now, I'm sitting with Coach Smith in the interview process, and he says, without me asking – Hey, it's your program. Run you run it how you see fit, Coach Smith. Yeah. Now, you know, as a player, like here's your dad telling you, right? I mean, he's has that relationship with all the players, and I was naive to believe it. Hmm. And I don't want to say he was lying to me. He was recruiting me, but. When I look back, and it just kind of hit me right now, Lloyd, when you were asking the question, what person would say, hey, I'm going to run the program through you? Right. I mean, who's going to say that? Right. Even the most honest person. So I was really, my emotional intelligence, as we talked about earlier, mm. really lacking. I've only been a head coach for one year. I thought I knew the dynamic. He told me it's my program. I could run it how I see fit. It wasn't like I was just going to run it roughshod, but so I took the job. Yeah. But when I brought my staff, he didn't like it. Mm. He didn't but, like it. But I understand why you would think that because the, 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 the weird dynamic, if you want to say weird, if I, for lack of a better word, is that you said it. This is kind of like your dad. So this is like, well, dad says I can run the company. So right. why wouldn't I believe dad? If dad says it, then that's got to be right, right? So right. It, it's a very unique dynamic. That was one of the reasons why I was fascinated by this because I it it's hard it's it's hard enough to follow a legend. It's even harder when you can't follow him your way. Mm. Well, and then the other thing is in in corporate America. Even in churches. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was blown away. Um, my wife and I moved to Mooresville, which is outside of Charlotte, after I left Chapel Hill. And we were in a Presbyterian church. And 
they had a preacher who was there 36 years, like Coach Smith was, mm -hmm. and he was retiring. And the process in the Presbyterian church is that once a priest, a pastor retires, he can have no official duty in that church for at least a year. Can't do weddings, can't do funerals. And they bring an interim pastor in who cleans up any mess, straightens it up. So the new pastor that comes in doesn't have to make any decisions that are not um, approved by the congregation. He doesn't have to look like the bad guy. Right. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the back of the church. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like. Oh my gosh! Right. I feel like Red Fox from from Sanford and Son. Right. You know, here, here! Oh my gosh! And I'm like, what? There, it's genius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bill Guthridge was the assistant when Dean Coach Smith retired. He got the job, and then, and then when I got the job, they both had offices in the building. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a tough situation. It's almost an impossible situation. And they showed up every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Wow. So so you, you don't even get like in a loss, you're you're having to answer questions from everybody, the athletic director, Coach Smith, Coach Gun. It's like you never get a chance to be comfortable in your own chair. Right. Wow, and, and I didn't. Ma I should have managed those men better, but you know, there's no book yet. Yeah, I mean, that's an impossible stress, though, Matt. That, that's that's man. That's a lot. That that's a, that's a hard thing to ask anybody to do to come into a situation and have to answer to that many people at the same time. That's yeah. that's a tough situation. And, and what makes it even tougher um, is when. People aren't happy with decisions you make. They can go to to someone else. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 if they're not, you know, have your back totally, all of a sudden it fans the flame, right? right. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, so that was tough, man. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm so glad we're getting a chance to have this conversation because just as a fan of college basketball and as a media reporter, because I was covering Louisville at that time, University of Louisville. But I always looked at that situation and said, man, something's not right about that. And it, it just never felt like, and, and I'm not throwing shade on anybody, but I'm just saying it never felt like you got the opportunity to really do, well, I'll say it this way. You never got what Roy got. You never got what Roy got. So you couldn't, I think had you had the time to do what you were capable of doing, you would have gotten it done the same way Roy got it done. But I, I, I would hope so. Yeah. You know, but Coach Smith wanted Coach Williams all along, and yeah. and, and and when you know, well, yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a real tricky, real tricky deal. And for someone who only had one year as a head coach, um. You know, I, I, I jokingly say it's like going from being the manager of your local Ace Hardware. Yeah. All of a sudden, the next year, you're the CEO of GE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, but do you do you the lessons that you learned in that? Those are the lessons you're passing on. That's what this book is all about. Yeah. 
Wow. And, 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 you know, again, leadership is a skill. Yeah. I, I have a Doherty coaching practice and uh, my, my motto is to learn and grow. Leadership is a skill like um, playing golf, like throwing a football, like shooting foul shots. If you don't practice it on a regular basis, you're going to lose your touch. And so it's hard to practice leadership. It's hard to evaluate leadership. I talk about to coaches, you know, do you film yourself in practice? Mm. Because we, we always see a coach on the sidelines, throw his headsets, yell at a player and yeah. say, I wouldn't want my son playing for him. Right. Well, do they, you ever, you ever film yourself? So I would have a manager film me in practice or film me in a game to see how I handle myself because you don't know. Wow. You don't know until you see the video and you're like, man, I didn't realize I looked like such a jerk. Right. Right. So I've got to change my behavior. Um, you know, Jay Wright taught at Villanova talks about he keeps his button jacket tied, top uh, buttoned. Yeah. Because he wants to feel a little restricted so he doesn't go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why. That's why. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we need to have again, I talk about the E plus R equals O, controlling the R, managing your R. Mm. Um, we got we got a, uh, some of the a lot of people that are watching tonight. Uh, one of the questions that came in that was interesting because um, they said that you worked at Wall Street. That's a lot of people don't know you worked at Wall Street as a sales bondsman. Right? Uh, did you take anything from that and use it when you were recruiting? Yeah, John, that's a great question. Uh, good insight, by the way. Yes, uh, the thing I learned on Wall Street was phone sales, and as a recruiter, you're on the phone all the time. Uh, so you got to be able to sell. And, and, and so, yes, I was on the phone as a bond, a sales, um, bond salesman, a stockbroker. You're dialing for dollars, we would call it, right? So on recruiting, you had to be able to pick up the phone and talk to Lloyd. And then Lloyd, and then you got to go to Charlie. And then you got to go, I mean, you're on the phone all the time and you can't, you have to have enthusiasm, the same enthusiasm I have for you, Lloyd, on my first call of the day, and I call 20 kids on the 20th call, I've got to have that same enthusiasm. Yeah. So phone sales, that's what that's what I – and also I learned that I didn't like selling bonds. <laughs> I didn't want to go back there. Right, right. Do, do you teach succession to leaders now, like how – to create a, a real succession plan so that the person following whoever's in front can easily transition in. Do you teach that out of this book now? We, I, work, I, I, I don't really teach it in the book, but okay. with my leadership practice and with an organization I work with, which is uh, Vistage USA, it's the oldest and largest executive coaching uh, firm in the, in the world. Um, we, we talk about succession plans. That, that is such a big thing um, to prepare people uh, to be in position. Um, 
and then how to step away. I mean, how to, you know, hand it off. Like, you know, Charlie handed off. Charlie's going to hand it off. He's not going to run next to that running back, right? Right, right. You know, he's yeah. going to let that running back go. Yeah. And, and, and see the holes and, and look upfield and follow his blockers. He's got to let him go. And so, uh, yeah, succession planning is a big part of every CEO. Every CEO needs to be thinking, what if, like a head coach, what if, what if Charlie gets hurt? You know, uh, we've got to go with our backup, Lloyd. Well, Lloyd might not be able to run like Charlie, but he can really roll out. And so we got to put in this other package. Okay, what if, what if, what if I got hit by the proverbial bus? I mean, that's always, you got to think like that as a leader. What if, what if there's a pandemic, right? Yeah. You know, what if out of a timeout, Charlie, the other team goes zone? You know, what if? And, and Coach Smith was great at that. And exactly. every business leader should be great at that as well. Ha, ha, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was just, um, you know, I know you're talking about succession plans and coaching. I think, you know, that's something we talk about a lot. You know, when it comes to coaching, just being able to make adjustments um, on the fly. How being a player, um, how did that help you, uh, I guess, with understanding, you know, how to make an adjustment um, as a coach? Yeah. As a business person. Uh, how do those life lessons uh, being an athlete help you? I think it helps tremendously in coaching. Um, you know, I don't think the – the best players don't make up the best coaches, right? It's very rare you see a great player become a great coach. Right. You know, Larry Bird coached for like three or four seasons. Uh, Magic coached for about a week. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. You, know, um, you know, I don't see – it's those players that, you know, really had to do the extra work maybe and saw the game. But I think it's important to have played because – now you know what it felt like because the feeling part is such a big part of sports. How did that feel? You know, how did it feel when a coach came in the locker room and got on you or didn't? Um, how did it feel in that offense when you were getting that ball in the foul line versus a 2-3 zone and those guards were cracking down from behind? How did that feel? Um, and when a coach doesn't have feel – they can get exposed. And I think players sense that. So I think you can relate a little bit. And the other thing is I liked as a coach to ask the players like, okay, we're going to guard this, this way. What do you think, Charlie? You say, well, yeah, but what about doing this? And I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe I didn't think of that. And I'm like, okay, I like that. Let's do it that way. So now two things. You think coach respects me because respect is one of my four core values, respect, trust, commitment, and positivity. Mm -hmm. So now I showed you great respect. I showed you great trust. All right. Now, now you're going to own that and you, you, because your name's on it. I might even call it Charlie. Let's Charlie that pick and roll. All right. Now it's like, shit, that's on me. Damn. Mm -hmm. Lloyd, you better, you better show hard, man. 
Yeah. Long, you know, it's ours. Right, right. So, so now, you know, you get more excited. Uh, and I think secure coaches aren't afraid to get the player input and even get challenged by the player. Like, coach, no, man, I, I don't think we should do it that way. Okay. What do you think we should do? As opposed to shut the shut the f up. Right, right. You know, this is my this is, you know, no. Okay, what do you got for me? You know, I, I love that. And then a player, you know, if they're smart, they might they they're out there. They see it. They feel it. Right, coach. I I hear the passion, and I know, <laughs> and I know you've spent the last couple of years, or maybe you know, last I guess two or three years with the with a ten. Right. This social commission, you're not doing that anymore. But I hear the passion. Will we see a return? I might coach high school. I'll I'll be Charlie's assistant. <laughs> no, I like like Charlie said, you know, if you like to coach, you like to coach. It doesn't matter what level. Right. Um I I, I coached at FAU. Um my my I, I, my first job after North Carolina was FAU. And I remember our first exhibition game, there was a bad hurricane. So we got displaced and we had an exhibition game and there were about 200 people at Palm beach community college. And, and I had a, a Rex Walters who played in the NBA, uh, Charlie, I don't know if you ever played against Rex. Yes, um, Rex. Yeah. Rex, Rex was an assistant for me. Um, and my other assistants, um, and I said, hey, how do you guys feel? Like before we went out the second time for warm-ups, how do you feel about only 200 people being in the stands? You know, I mean, was, we all to a man said, we don't care. I mean, you know, when the ball went up, I had the same feelings in my gut that I did when I coached at Duke. Who cares? Like if you love ball and you love – helping the kids and the competition and the adjustments, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Watching. So would I coach again? I'll never say never. Uh, I just think that the game, a friend of mine, uh, Gordon Chaser was an assistant for the uh, jazz for a long time. And he had a great line. He says, you know, basketball is a beautiful game, but a bad business. Mm. Like, it's a bad business. Yeah. It's a yeah. beautiful game. He uses the S, you know. It's, yeah, it's right, right. right. And so, you know, I don't want to at 59 take a job and then three years get fired. Right. Because of something, you know, you just talked about the AU recruiting circuit. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want, I'm not, I don't want to deal with that. John is trying to recruit you as we speak. <laughs> they need the camel. They need a coach. <laughs> the, the camels, yeah. John uh, Liberty now. Did Richie McKay leave? John's got to plug back in now. Richie I, I McKay think, is head coach of Liberty. I think John is trying to recruit you. Uh, he, he hasn't talked to the AD though. <laughs> okay, well, John, John, if you've got uh, guaranteed five years at two per, uh, put me down. <laughs> hey, that's well, a good deal. That is a good deal. me a lot of a lot of peace of mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I would love to see you return. Oh, I, you. I enjoyed what you were doing here at SMU. 
it's it's not it has become not the easiest place to to, to garner talent. And so it was going to take some time. My my big thing that I talk to Charlie about all the time on this show, AD's got to learn to trust somebody. You got to learn to trust and build with somebody. You can't if you if we keep this revolving door microwave mentality about winning, you're never going to win. Right. Couple of things. Yeah. Couple of things. It's a bad business model. Okay. Yeah. Because you have ADs that need to raise money from boosters. So the boosters are, you know, it's like politics, quid pro quo, right? They're going to give their money, but they're going to want to say, right? They're not going to just sit there quietly and say, you could have my money. And, you know, so if they're not winning, those AD, those, those boosters are not going to be happy. And, and the money now is so big, yeah. you know, that like back in the, early eighties, you know, if coach wasn't the highest paid person on campus there, the coach wasn't the highest per paid person in the state. And so now that the money's so big that their expectations are immediate results. The other thing is most ADs nowadays have never played or coached the game. So they don't know what it's like to recruit. They don't know what it's like to motivate. They don't know what it's like to coach. And they cave in to the booster quickly as opposed to trying to manage up to the booster. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I told somebody today, you know, you sign a contract, you put your big boy panties on. We talked to her earlier about, you know, life is a series of decisions. Yeah. You know, if you just pay me what the contract states. If you want to get rid of me, say good things. I'll say good things. Pay me what the contract states, and I'm out the door. A lot of coach, a lot of schools, though, try to find some little minor NCAA violation and throw that at you so they don't have to pay your full buyout. Yeah. Yeah. That's the yes. Yeah. Well, so I know that not firsthand, but I've, I've seen it happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's just unfortunate uh, that, you know, people have to go through that. And um, just like we, we've said here, you know, it's it's great life learning lessons. Yeah. And, um, things that you don't want to repeat. Uh, so you work to try not to put yourself in that position again. And some situations, it's just tough. I, I don't. I mean, I understand. I understand you want to go and try to build and develop, but some places it's not built for that. Yeah, and exactly. is you're going uphill once you go through the door. And so I just, you know, I'm just a, I'm just very leery of just going to take a job to take a job. You know. Yeah. It has to be the right fit. Um, and the right situation. And if not, I'm just going to stay where I am, even if it's at home. <laughs> I just no, you're home. wise. You're wise. There's not a lot of good jobs out there. And nowadays with the transfer portal in college athletics, the name, image, and likeness, when that gets into effect, you know, 15% of what you do will be coaching your sport. The other – 85% will be managing all the other 
junk. Yeah. Yeah. That's why a lot of coaches don't like coaching in college. They want to go to the NBA. The NBA is, I mean, we just, my man at, at the Hawks, he was uh, there for a year and a half. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and 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 had all the injuries like it's it's it, you know he didn't have a full roster he had guys hurt yeah no yeah. that's that's my point you know that's my point is like okay maybe if I was forty but unless unless there's money involved that can put me on a beach uh, and and on a golf course the rest of my life after they want to fire me um, I, I'm really excited about this book and, and coaching executives um, and, and as, as a, as a executive coach, I can't, I'm not going to fire myself. Right. So I can recruit my team and coach my team and make a good living and hopefully do this up until uh, my early eighties. Yeah. I like, I like the plan. <laughs> I like the plan. Um, let's have some fun coach. Uh, favorite player you recruited. <laughs> Woo! Wow, that's a tough one. You know, it's tough to say. It'd be like saying that uh, you favor one child over another, right? Right. right. So I, I, I can't, I can't really answer that question. Well, give us just one. The favorite? You're talking about talent, well, or just few? Favorite. Give us a few. Just give us a few that you enjoy. That you, you enjoy recruiting. Uh, I, I say when you say enjoyed recruiting, enjoyed the process. Yeah. Um, Ray Friends at Kansas was a great talent. Um, really enjoyed Rafe and his family. Uh, I, I used to send him a FedEx every day and, and I'd come into the office and I'd say to the secretary FedEx to Rafe. And by, by three o'clock, I put something in there and that day I forgot. And the next day his mother called and was laughing and said, oh, you're so funny, because sometimes I'd send funny things, right? Like, I, I have a kind of a sarcastic sense of humor. <laughs> and she called and started laughing and said, you're so funny, because, you know, for, say, two months, I've been sending something every day. Yeah. And then the expectation is we're going to open up that envelope, and now there's nothing in it. Like, I just shot faked them. <laughs> right. Right, and the mother, the mother's like, "Oh, you're you're so funny. That was so cute." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, what?" You know, I'm like waiting. She's like, "Yeah, you, you know, we opened up the envelope. and There's nothing in there." And I'm like, <laughs> "You know." And then I had to play along. I had right. to play along like that was my intention, right? Right. right. Yeah. So uh, uh, Raymond Felton at North Carolina. Uh, I just Raymond was such a mature kid. Yeah. Now he's now he's like 36 kid, um, you know, and his parents, it was a clean recruiting process. Um, his he did have an AAU coach um, uh, who's now Dan D'Antoni, who is the coach at Marshall, whose brother, um, Mike D'Antoni, is the NBA coach. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, I, you know. There, there, there's certainly a bunch of other players that I enjoyed recruiting. I, I like to recruit. I like to sell. I like to hunt. I like to go after players. Like um, Brandon Williams at Davidson, who played in the NBA for the San Antonio Spurs and yeah. worked in the front office. Um, I enjoyed recruiting Brandon. That was one of my early recruits. But, uh, yeah. 
That's a good list. That's a good list. Who, who who's got the more rabid fan base, Kansas or North Carolina? Kansas. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the only thing in the state. I mean, um, you know, and and that that facility is old. Sixteen thousand old building. So so the the pitch of the 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 bleachers are like this, where in the Dean Dome it's flatter and it's more yeah. 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 And and that the, they they are intense. That that's a loud crowd. That's that's the best place in, to see a game in college basketball. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. wow. Double the size. Double double the size. And by the way, Charlie, I got nothing as Duke because we kicked their butt a lot when I played. <laughs> but I'm not going to give them any credit. That's right. That's right. That's right. They weren't, but they weren't really Duke when you played them, were they? They were just kind of, they were on the rise or trying to turn the program around. That's right. That's yeah. right. Who, That's right. who was, was it, it was, what, who would you call the the big rivalry? When, when, well, when it was you, NC State. It was NC State. State. Okay. I figured yeah, it was. And, and yeah. Virginia. Virginia with Ralph Sampson. Oh, Ralph. That's right. Oh, gosh. That, that had, man, Ralph was, man. What Ralph, Ralph may have been the most talented College basketball player of all time. He may have been. I can't argue with that. That's a great – that's hard to argue against. You know, Kareem. Yeah. yeah, no, seriously. But 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 Ralph could do some things that Kareem couldn't, and the things that Kareem could do, Ralph could do. Yeah. At seven foot four. Yeah, yeah, no. He was he was ridiculously good. Yeah. He was ridiculously good. I, 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 I would agree with that. Um – the one player you played against that gave you fits. Oh, <laughs> I'll give you more than one now. <laughs> okay. Albert King. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. That's I a mean, good my one. freshman year, I, I didn't have to play him a whole lot because I was a backup. But I remember we had a guy named Al Wood who was an All-American, and Al's shoulder would pop out. And Al's shoulder popped out at Maryland, and I'm in the game going against Albert King. And I think Albert's King sees this skinny freshman and he just gets a big smile on and goes rat tat 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 bam. And all of a sudden, Al's shoulder amazingly got healthy on the sidelines. Thank God. The heel. Uh, Len Bias. Oh wow. Is that uh, is that the greatest player that we never saw go where obviously he could have gone? Be hard to argue. Yeah. yeah. Hard, hard to hard to argue that. Wow. Um, maybe Connie Hawkins. You know, that's an old – but Connie yeah, exactly. got banned yeah. from the NBA, right. so we really didn't get to see Ar- – Arvita Sabonis might be another one. But, see him in his prime, yeah. Right. But Len Bias for sure. Wow. Um, God, you know, bless his soul. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Branch was a hell of a player uh, with wow. Maryland too. Yeah. Uh, lefty 6'8". He had the Allen Iverson crossover, you know, hold it. You don't know if he's going left or he's going to bring it across. And I wasn't very quick. So uh, those guys are probably the ones that come to mind right away. That moment in the game in, against Georgetown, when you see that turnover, what were you guys thinking? Were, were you as shocked as Georgetown was? 
Well, my head was turned. I didn't really see it. And oh, then, really? Wow. wow. I, I was under the basket, and then all of a sudden I see Worthy dribbling down the other end of the court. I had just missed a big foul shot. Um, um, I had missed a big foul shot before Michael Jordan hit the shot. And so um, I was probably just – thanking the Lord that, you know, Michael bailed me out and they didn't have a chance to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I got a trivia question for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> There's only two players, and you know where I'm going with this. There's only two players who played 39 out of the 40 minutes in that championship game. Who were they? I would, I would have to think it was you and Worthy. Okay, it was me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have brought it right, up. Right? Right. I, but when yeah, did you worthy to? Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Oh, was it Patrick? Wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and I, I say that because I only scored like three points in a game. Uh, and I tell players, like young people that, you know, like, you know, you don't have to be – you'd have to score to be a valuable player. Uh, like, you know, I could pass. I could handle. I knew where to be. Uh, you know, I kind of was a coach on the floor um, and coach trusted me out yeah. there, you know, coach trusted me. So that's something, you know, when I, I, I see Patrick once in a while and I'll say something, you know, you and I have something in common. <laughs> Charlie, you play with Patrick? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you did. Yeah. Wow. He has like the smallest feet for a seven footer. Yes, he did. <laughs> and hands. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he, he couldn't play shoes. He couldn't pawn the he couldn't pawn really pawn the basketball. Really? Yeah. How about that? This is breaking news. I was not aware that Patrick Ewing had freakishly small feet. Yeah. That yeah. And, and so does so you played against uh Willis, Kevin Willis? I did. Yeah. Now I'm I'm playing in the Pan Am trials and <laughs> I'm lining up at the foul line next to Kevin Willis, and I look down, and I just start laughing. Because Willis had, like, size 12s. And I'm like, here's another seven-footer. I'm like, like, how the hell do you stay up straight, Kevin? You know? Right. Yeah. If the wind blows, you're going to fall over. How about that? I did not. That's, that's brand-new information for me. Yeah, you get some random uh, bits of knowledge that no one really cares about on this show. But, uh, yeah. We live for the random knowledge on this right. show. Well, it's right. our thing. Right, right. It's our thing. It's our thing. Yeah. No, I just, uh, I just think that those are the things that kind of uh, – I remember seeing seeing uh, Kevin's feet, and I'm thinking, man, that's weird. Coach, anyway. who wins the ACC this year? Well, I think Florida State's the best team, and I'm not saying that just because Charlie's on here. Um, I saw them dismantle uh, Virginia – and they did it on the defensive end. But I think this is a really good offensive team, too. You know, there's been some years where they've had stagnant offenses. Mm. But I don't know, you know, if it's the personnel or coaches doing a little bit more movement. They seem to be a little bit more movement on the weak side. Um, and um, I talked to Carlton Young today, matter of fact, one of their assistants. Um, and uh, – he, he does a good job recruiting, like Patrick Williams, who went to the draft last year. You know, they get good players, and Coach Hamilton gets them to play together and hard. 
Um, and they're always going to defend you. So I think they're the best team in the league. But everyone's a little schizophrenic. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. Never know. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And I don't know if it's – I, I got to believe there's something to the mental health of the players because it's such a stressful season. No, Very much so. That, that <laughs> they just – bless you. That they just – their minds can't be right, you know, in terms of – are we going to play? Or are we not going to play? Is there my family member going to be healthy or not healthy? Is I don't get to see my girlfriend. I don't, you know, just, just it's so disjointed that I think that leads to a lot of even more of this than normal. No, that's that's a great. That's a great great point. Um, what's what's the one thing you want people when they read this book to take away from it? Whoa, well. That leadership is a learned behavior, mm. that everybody can become a better leader. And, and oh, by the way, everyone leads in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Whether you're at your job, in your community, at your church, or in your household. That's true. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. Coach, I, I, I think the world of you, man. I, I really appreciate you yes. joining us tonight and, and uh, just sharing this knowledge and wisdom and really the lessons because it sounds like you've learned a lot of great things on this journey, but also it sounds like you're ready to share a lot of great things, and that's awesome, man. That's Well, really it's very therapeutic for me, um, as I mentioned, dealing with some depression. Now, uh, Robin Roberts from – um, ABC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She has a great quote. She said, make your mess your message. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here. It's good. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Hey, it's an honor. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, look forward to, to, to maybe coming back on some other time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. We really appreciate it. Great to have you. Yep. Thank you. Coach Matt Doherty. That's very that's good. One. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good interview, man. I um, I am uh, I'm I'm thrilled to have him on. There's a lot of stuff that we could have covered, we didn't, but but at the same time, I wanted to give him an opportunity to kind of tell his story. Um, I I really think he's one of the better coaches that has been, if I can say it this way, kind of vilified. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unfairly vilified. And and I get it. I get what happens when you cross the path of a legend. I get it. But that doesn't make it right. It yeah, doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't make it right. Yeah, it doesn't make it right. And and he's a good guy. I mean, he's just he's just, you know, tough situation. Tough situation. Most definitely. Yeah. I um uh, I I mean, those are the things when you're vetting out jobs. Yeah. Yeah, you got to bet out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know they. There's one way. Uh, that's one of the things that Coach Bowden, um, when he left, from a spiritual standpoint, he with integrity, he, he didn't he didn't want to go. He didn't go around the program for quite some time. Wow, wow. And the reason he didn't go was for that simple reason that he didn't want the coach to feel like he was hovering over him or doing any of those types of things. And so he chose to just stay at home, 
um, chose to stay at home and not, you know, go around. And, and you know, sometimes people, people may look at that, well, you know, he's not supporting the new coach, but the new coach was one of his assistants. And so I just thought, of, you know, now that you, you hear about these type of situations, I think it's just a smart deal. Yeah. Uh, to be able to, um, you know, just not feel like, make the coach feel like he's hovering. Yeah. Um, but I, I do believe that the same situation was like John Thompson. Yeah. Uh, at Georgetown. Um, and so it's just tough, you know, when, when a coach has built up a program and they still want to be around to, to help out. You know, there are other ways to be able to help those type of situations, um, you know, I do believe. Uh, no, Charlie, you're hitting it right on the head, and I think it makes it incredibly difficult for, especially for the immediate next guy. Because if you don't, if you're like, I, and I'll say this publicly, I think that was one of the reasons why Texas is a problem. Uh, Texas's school has struggled the way that it has because for a while, Mac Brown was still there. Well, how do you build when the guy that built it was still there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the most recent guy to build it was still there, and so it just makes it really, really hard. But, uh, but that, but listen, college. College sports are not the only ones dealing with this. Like we talked about a minute ago, churches are dealing with this all across the country. And I mean, just it's an organized leadership is an organizational thing. Yeah. And, and it's an organism that has to survive beyond, you know, the person that, you know, led it to wherever it is at that point. So great interview, man. I appreciate it. What you, what do you got planned for the weekend, Charlie? Well, uh, what do we have? Um, actually, I'm taking, um, we're going on a field trip. Taking on a basketball team to the state championship game. Oh, I remember you saying that, yeah. Friday. So we're going to go down there. The two teams that made it to the finals, the team that beat us, lost today. Oh, wow. Uh, eight points, I think it was. Wow. But the two teams that made it, um, one team plays six players. You know, their six players are pretty good. Um. They have wow. nine. They have nine on the team, <laughs> and they only play six. Wow, they play six or seven. That's incredible. A filler, and then the other team that they're playing, they got about fifteen on the bench, but they only play about eight. Oh wow, that's interesting. So it's just interesting. Those eight are pretty good. They got they got. I mean, these are private schools, and they have they built a pretty good team. Yeah, this year. Um, you know, a lot of they had an influx of talent come in uh, to both of these schools, and they are where they are. But uh, it should be a good game. I'd be interested to see how competitive it is. It should be competitive because they're both pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it should be interesting to see it. But I just want our guys to see it so that we can know we're working towards that hunger yeah um, next year and because these teams are probably going to be one you know they're going to be back because all their guys are coming back one team has all their team coming back they're all juniors um, and then the other team you know, most of their best players are either sophomore or junior wow so wow. i mean they'll 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 be back uh next year again more than likely awesome awesome 
Well, Charlie, I don't know actually what I have planned this weekend. I know my anniversary is Saturday. I do know that. But my birthday is, yes, my birthday is Friday. Right. So I don't know what my wife has planned, but I'm just going to roll with it and enjoy it. So that's my plan for the weekend. <laughs> Sounds good. That's my plan for the weekend. Well, uh, thank you, Charlie. This was good stuff tonight, man. And I hope uh, everybody enjoyed the interview. Uh, and this will be up on uh, Spotify and anywhere you listen to uh, podcasts uh, tomorrow at noon, as always. Uh, but if you, if you want to go back and actually watch it, you can just rewatch it on YouTube or rewatch it right here on Facebook on the Noisemaker page. So you can see it in either place. So. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back again on Monday to do it all over again. Uh, John, yes. Yes, John, we'll be on Uncorked Wire on Saturday night. <laughs> uh, yeah, our show, we have a show, Uncorked Wire. He, John's one of the guys that comes through on, on that show as well. He likes to watch that show. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to have a good weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, Charlie, it is always a joy and a pleasure, my friend. I appreciate it. And just to give you an update before we get off, Florida State's winning 45 to 29. <laughs> who are they playing tonight? I forget who they playing tonight. Boston College. That's Boston College. Listen, best team in the conference. It's not even right now, they're the best team in the conference. They are the best team in the conference. Huge win. game Louisville has this weekend. Huge game. They have Virginia this weekend, but they have to get this win. To, 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 to solidify their – probably to solidify being in, which I think they're in. I think they're in. But to really lock in and maybe have a potential to move up, uh, they need they need this win against Virginia. They need to pad the resume a little bit. Syracuse, North Carolina State, they're on a roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, possibly could sneak in. Possibly could sneak in. I don't know. They're playing well. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend and, and definitely going to be an interesting uh, uh, few days with the women's tournament wrapping up and everybody uh, getting ready for that as well. So it's going to be a lot to talk about on Monday, for sure. For sure. Well, until then, everybody have a great, safe weekend, and we will see you back here on Monday for Believe in the ACC. You have been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence. You can tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on the Believe Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts can be heard. You can also watch Charlie and Lloyd on Facebook, on the Noisemakers page, and on YouTube, on the Noise Media YouTube channel. Please like subscribe and follow on all our platforms and we will keep taking you inside the ACC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.